Our second lesson is from the Gospel of Matthew. This is the baptism of our Lord Sunday in the liturgical calendar and all over the world today. Christians are reflecting on the meaning of and celebrating that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. We'll be talking about that. I'm going to read the passage associated with it uh, now if you want to read along with me. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, open our ears that we would hear the gospel. May your spirit be our teacher. May we understand more deeply the love that you have for us, the implications of that, how we should live in light of it uh, as we now uh, uh, ruminate on and, and, and think on what these things might mean. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus uh, says a remarkable thing in response to John's protest, John sees him coming and says, wait a minute, uh, you're not supposed to be here, not in this way. If anything, I should be baptized by you. And um, Jesus, he, he doesn't say to John that he's wrong about that, per se. Instead, he says something else. He says, no, you know what, L- let's do this because we have to. We have to do this in this way in order to fulfill all righteousness. Now here we should read the word fulfill in the normal way it's used in the New Testament. And it's not so much about things happening that were promised long ago. That word fulfill does have that connotation to it and that's part of it. But, it, but it's more than that. It's more nuanced than that. When the New Testament wants to talk about things coming to pass that are fulfillments, uh, the, the richness of that word is about, it's about filling out what God is doing in the world. It's about a filling up and a filling out. A fullness coming to pass um, that reflects God's intentions for humankind and God's intentions for the world. It's, it's one more step in what God is doing to move the world and, and human beings towards that end goal of living in shalom, living in peace with one another, um, living into the human destiny that God imagines for us, where we're controlled by the self-giving love of Jesus in a way that animates our actions towards each other. Uh, animates our thoughts about ourselves, and animates our inclinations towards God. 
So when Jesus says that for him to be baptized by John in order to fulfill all righteousness, uh, that's a remarkable statement. And, and it's, it's supposed to get our attention. You know, because again, to underline what's so mysterious and profound about it is that what Jesus is saying is that a necessary step along the way for God to do what God intends to do in redeeming the whole world, a necessary step along that way, uh, in a sense, goes beyond the incarnation where Christ has, has bound God's self to humanity in a unique and mysterious way. But one step further than even that solidarity is the solidarity that Jesus is declaring and demonstrating and, and, and inhabiting here in his baptism because what he's saying is, is that he wants to be counted among sinners. He wants to be counted among people who are going to John saying, we are broken. Our understanding of God is not what it should be. We are finite. Uh, We want to be baptized because we are aware of our human condition, of our creatureliness, and we know our need. And so we're coming for baptism in hopes that our baptism is part of of joining what God is doing in the world. And in so doing, we have hope that our humanity will be filled out by our participation in that. And Jesus says, those are my people. Those are my people. That's who I want to be around. That's the group I want to be counted among. It's the mystery of the incarnation going even deeper, you know, because in the mystery of the incarnation, I mean, we we often ponder it from the perspective of God has made God's self known by becoming a human, but the other side of it that's just as important is that God now has human beings sympathetically represented to God, the transcendent one, from the perspective of Jesus. Um, There's a coffee shop in Logan Square that operates as a not-for-profit. Their proceeds go towards supporting mental health services. It's called Sip of Hope. I think it's uh, the child of uh, the Dark Matter coffee people. But at the um, register, they have free band, wristbands, the rubber bands, you know, wristbands that you can get. And, uh, and the wristbands say, oh, I have one right here. Oh, you have one. It's okay not to be okay. Now, I know that that, that language is familiar to many of you, especially those of you who work in social services and mental health Uh, the mental health world, um, but uh, I never tire of hearing it because it's easy 
for human beings to lose hope, it's much more difficult for human beings to be reminded that they never need to lose hope. And of course, I love it for its resonance with an important aspect of the gospel. And Jesus will say later in his ministry, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are sick, they do. I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. When Jesus is baptized in a baptism of repentance along with sinners, it is God saying to us, so to speak, I am with you when you are not okay. And I am with you in those moments lovingly, compassionately, and sympathetically. I think it's important to note this aspect of the meaning of Jesus' baptism and call it out because I think we wonder at times, what does God feel about us when we are so obviously a mess? You know, I realize that, you know, you can get into tricky territory when you're trying to talk about what does God feel, but... There's enough anthropomorphic language in Scripture around how God feels that I think that we should think about that. And when you think about Jesus' decision to be baptized, to be counted among us in our frailty, you know, I think that we're really on safe ground to say, you know, God has made it clear that he feels tender toward us. And he feels tender toward us and um, that there's nothing that we can do that would cause him to feel otherwise. When we're at our worst, God loves us nonetheless, drawing near to us with his love, inviting us to turn to God with our messes, to ask God to sort out in us that which we can't sort out on our own. And that is God's specialty, isn't it? Making things new, making the world new, making us new people. It's why as our absolution and our affirmation after communion each week, it's this passage that we have. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. In some of my reading on Jesus' baptism, I learned that as the early church began to work out a theology of Jesus' baptism, they imagined a connection between the waters of baptism and the primordial waters that represented the chaos over which the Spirit hovered in the creation narrative of Genesis In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness night. 
There was evening and morning the first day. And so as the Spirit hovered over the chaos and brought forth the world in creation, Jesus goes down into the water and emerges from that chaos with his face looking forward to the new creation that his life, death, resurrection, and ascension will bring. And in his eyes, he sees you as part of it. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. And so as the early church began to work out the meaning of the Christian's baptism, they did so with God's words about Jesus. This my son, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased, echoing in their minds and hearts. To be baptized into Christ then is just the beginning of a lifelong journey to absorb the love of the Father And it's why Paul will say in Romans that Christians are given the right to say of God the creator, he is our papa. He is our Abba Father. A family term of endearment that is now our word for God. As Paul puts it, the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, so what does all this mean? What does all this mean? Well, it means that we have nothing ultimately to be afraid of in ourselves or in the world. Um, there's no situation so hopeless that God's redeeming presence cannot begin to change it for the better. Uh, that's why I loved, I didn't know that well, number one, I didn't know we were having just a closer walk with thee for our, off, or our uh, I grew up in the Baptist church, and if there's a song in the middle of the service, it's an offertory. I don't know if any of you all can relate to that or not, but I have the hardest time remembering that it's not an offertory, it's our communion music at Grace Chicago Church. 18 years, you think I would get that right. But when Michelle did Just a Closer Walk with Thee, you know, that's a Thomas Dorsey song that he wrote after he lost his wife. Um, to death, and I love that that we feel free to take that song and turn it into uh, a celebratory piece, looking forward and hope, uh, kind of raucous, right? In the way it was done, and I love that because it reminds us that there is no situation, you know, no matter how bad we may feel about it. There is no situation that God's redeeming creative presence cannot come into and begin to change and turn it towards a redemptive experience. I was, I'm in a group with some friends of mine that I've had for a long time, a group that we get together and reflect on Scripture early in the morning on Tuesdays, and um, I don't remember how it came up, but we are talking about these themes And I found this phrase coming out of my mouth. It's not particularly profound, but I do think it's worth repeating, and it's worth me remembering even, too, even though I'm the one who said it. You know, the gospel is good news in every situation, or it's not good news at all. Full stop. Because when Jesus goes in 
for the baptism. You know, the word baptize means dip, you know, and Jesus' whole life is an immersion into this world so that this world may be changed from the inside out because of Jesus' presence. When that happens, that's a statement about every single thing that happens in this world. It does not happen without the potential of movement towards a hopeful future. And so the mystery is, how do we dance with that? And so you think about um, passages like uh, Paul's letter where he says, um, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, uh, but knowing that it's God that's at work within you. And so, you know, this, this, this understanding that we have as people who have entered into Jesus' baptism through our own baptism is that our life now, just as Jesus comes out of the waters of the Jordan with his face pointing towards new creation and with you in his vision, we can be confident that when we enter into that dance, Jesus has been there before us. And nothing is in vain, and no situation is too hopeless. It, it means that that part of you that robs you of joy, that part of you that, you know, whether it be the inclinations of your heart or things that you imagine about yourself or behaviors that cause you to, to not enjoy life the way God wants you to enjoy life, the things that you live with so long that it's easy to become hopeless about them because of our baptism into Jesus and because of Jesus' baptism on our behalf, it means that we should never give up bringing those things to God. We may be exhausted by it sometimes. God is not. God is not. Change can take a long time. It's always tempting to give in to despair. Jesus, though, is in it with you for the long haul, loving you all the way. Friendship that you feel is lost, that's not a friendship to give up on. God's redemptive work may not be what you imagine it to be, but when you bring that pain to God... To work with something good will come. When we go to East Garfield Park and go to work with our community service partner, Breakthrough Urban Ministries, in a neighborhood that can appear to be quite hopeless, we go with the knowledge and conviction that God is there at work already in what would otherwise be a hopeless situation. Our worship service this morning began with a reminder from the prophet Isaiah that a bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. As I mentioned earlier, there's lots of anthropomorphic language about how God feels about us. That's an example of it. 
What the prophet could have never imagined is that God would become that bruised reed and that God would become that dimly burning wick in order to draw near to us in our greatest needs. This is the Sunday of the baptism of our Lord. May we live into our baptism in him in great joy and in great hope. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.